Do you agree with me in prayer this morning? Father God, we come before you today. And I'm always reminded on days like this where maybe I don't feel my best, that you're enough. And it's so easy for us throughout the week and to look ahead to what's to come and to just be stressed, worried, anxious. Father God, I know that every time we come into this place, we, we come with baggage. Some of that baggage is years old and some of that baggage is from this week. And Father God, we just pray today that you would remove those distractions from us, that you would give us the courage to lay down our burdens and to leave them here today, Father God, that we could focus in on you. So that regardless of what's going on in life, Lord, we, we, we are reminded to take this opportunity, Father God, not just to thank you, not just to praise you, but to hear what you would have to tell us this morning. And so, Father God, I just ask that you would be with us here in these next few moments, Father God, as, as we dive into your word. It is your word, it is not mine. And so I ask that you would empty me of me, that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would allow me to say what you want to say. So, Father God, we just ask that you would be here in this moment with us. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. I have a little bit of a confession I want to start with today. I really don't like reading. I'm not very good at being still. I get distracted easily. Sometimes I'll read 10 pages and I'll stop and I'll stare off into the distance and think to myself, I have no idea what I just read. Sometimes I, I get bogged down in the details. I'm like, just, can, we, can we just get to the point? Like, give me, give me the Cliff Notes version. Sometimes I take unrealistic expectations into the books that I read. And when they don't do what I think they should do, I get upset. And let's be honest, at the end of the day, I would rather just watch the movie. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, you know what, Pastor Will, the book is so much better. You know what? You're wrong because I haven't read the book, so it's not better. But my mentality of reading completely changes when we're talking about the Bible, because I love to read the Word of God. It's the only consistent reading I've ever been able to do in my entire life, because the Bible does what no other book can do. It connects me to the reality of God's love for me. The Bible has been my tangible interaction with an otherwise invisible God. Have you ever been to a movie where you had to wear 3D glasses to see what's going on? If you take off those glasses, you can't see what's going on, right? See, that's what I think the Bible is. The Bible is our 3D glasses. But instead of making what is not there appear close, it does the opposite. It helps us to see that God is right there even when we cannot see Him. It opens our eyes to be able to see God's movement. It allows us to hear God's voice. The Bible is a testament of the truth. It reveals God's character to us. It reveals His design to us. In that it gives us insight into His love for us. It gives us insight into His plan for us. So today I want to read you my verse, the verse that's changed my life, John 8, 31 through 32. 
So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's important to see that Jesus doesn't demand that we abide, but he knows that all other paths lead to imprisonment, to be imprisoned by sin, to be imprisoned by lies, to be imprisoned by despair. So he encourages us to cling and to hold fast to the truth of his word, because if you abide in the word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But the mistake that we make when we read this verse is reading it and and, and saying, okay, I'm going to read the Bible, and somehow that's going to impart truth to me. But Jesus doesn't say to read the Word. He says to abide in the Word. The word abide there means to continue, to dwell, to endure, to be present, to to remain, to stand on the Word of God, to immerse and anchor yourself to its history, to its precepts, and to the truthfulness of God. That by faith we can overcome that which seeks to chain us to our brokenness and our past. This morning we're continuing the series, the the verse that changed my life. And, And to me, this series is a testimony about how God's Word can impact your life for good. This verse was an awakening for me because it finally put put words to what I had experienced in my life. Suddenly I had clarity on, on what God's Word had done for me and what it can continue to do. That it could free me from dysfunction. It could free me from deceit. It could free me from hopelessness that I had bought into by reminding me who God is, who I am, and who I belong to. And maybe you're like, Pastor, well, that sounds great. (laughs) What can the truth really do? How how does the truth actually set us free? And that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. The truth sets us free by reminding us that our weakness is opportunity for Christ's strength. I'm going to say that one more time. Our weakness is opportunity for Christ's strength. There's a girl whose name is Jessica Long. And she was born in Russia in an orphanage with fibular hemophilia. Probably didn't say that right, that's okay. She was adopted in 1993 by an American family, brought over here, and at the age of 18 months old, both of her legs were amputated. But through all of that in her life story, she developed a love for swimming. And I'm going to be honest with you, if I lost my legs, the pool seems like the last place I would want to be. But she never saw her disability as weakness. She saw it as an opportunity to persevere. And because of that, she now has 13 gold, 6 silver, and 4 bronze Paralympic medals for swimming. (laughs) I don't know, do we have that picture? Look at that. That's pretty awesome. See, we tend to be really good about telling ourselves and telling God what we can and cannot do. We focus on the negative rather than see doors that might be opened. Times we're tempted to disqualify ourselves based on our lack of ability. Jessica Long has a great quote that I want to share to you. She says, the only disability in life is a negative attitude. What she's telling us is that life is going to give you so many opportunities, so many reasons to quit. But you only ever fail if you give up. 
Because when you give up, you're not, you're not just communicating a lack of self-confidence. We communicate a lack of faith. Faith that says God cannot overcome our inability. Faith that acknowledges what is possible when we team up with God. To me, the, the, the Bible is a historical account about how God worked through broken people to accomplish impossible themes. This, this, this theme is echoed throughout the entire Bible, that God could take the least likely and change the world. That God could take a guy like Paul, who was the greatest adversary to Jesus' ministry, and turn him into the greatest apostle and teacher the world has ever known. And it'd be easy for us to assume that, that, that Paul's journey was natural, but it wasn't. Think about the shame of realizing that your zealousness for God was actually persecuting him. But Jesus met Paul where he was to remind him that his grace was enough. I want to read to you 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord, please take it away. And each time, this is what God said to me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work in and through me. Jesus had to change Paul's perspective and Paul's just passing on that wisdom to us. He's attempting here to change our perspective. He's attempting to change how we view the weaknesses in our lives. Paul's encouraging us, don't, don't give in to shame because of weakness. Instead, boast in weakness. Understanding that every obstacle you face is an opportunity for God to show up in your life. And every time God does show up in your life, it's a reminder that you are not alone, that he has not abandoned you, and that for the favor of collaboration, it's he that gives us and shares with us his victory. The world will tell you that, that your weakness proclaims your worthlessness. But scripture reminds us of the truth that weakness is actually strength. Because to be weak is to be human. And to be human is to belong to God. This truth is freeing for me personally. Because I am so self-critical. I grew up with brothers that I idolized and I compared myself to. And Satan used those circumstances to feed me this lie that I was worthless. And sadly, I believed it. I wrestled with this, this stigmatism in my mind that said, you're never going to measure up. And because of, because of that, I often saw everything I did through that lie. And I hyper-focused on anything in my life that supported that false narrative. So rather than move forward in grace, I got stuck behind believing that I didn't matter. And maybe you can't relate to comparing yourself to a sibling, but can you relate to ever feeling worthless? Maybe it was grades or popularity in school or work. Maybe it was a parent or teacher that, that told you you were worthless, that you would never amount to anything. Maybe it was a loved one that you felt abandoned by, that made you feel unvalued. Maybe there was some unrealistic expectation that you placed on yourself that you could never fulfill. Whatever it was, it made you feel like a failure. It made you feel like you didn't 
matter. And this is exactly the, the, the mentality that the truth of God's word fights against. The truth that sets us free from, from the damage that has been done by all of life's circumstances. Because when the world tells you that you don't matter, the cross said differently. And what appears to diminish your value is actually what enhances it. Because every mistake is a symbol that proclaims the redemption of Jesus Christ. There's a story that happened in Florida of a boy that was playing in his backyard and they had a pond and he was just messing around and an alligator came out and grabbed him by his legs and attempted to pull him under. And luckily his mom saw him and his mom ran out and grabbed his arms and, and held him there as long as she could. And eventually a neighbor saw what was going on and came out with a gun and came out and shot that alligator. And they took the boy to the hospital and this reporter goes to the hospital and he wants to talk to this boy that's, that suffered this traumatic thing. And the reporter says, I, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, but is there any chance I could see your legs? And so he kind of undoes and, and shows him the scars on his legs. And, and, and this kid sees that it's kind of making the reporter uncomfortable. So he covers his legs back up and he takes off his shirt and he says, I want to show you something else. He says, look at my arms. You see these? These are scars that I have from my mom's fingernails because she refused to let me go. I'm alive today because my mom saved my life. I want to suggest to you that maybe you're focusing on the wrong scars. That you're focusing on your failure rather than the freedom that your Savior died for. That's what reading God's word does. It helps us focus on the right scars by helping us see the truth that his scars are the only ones that matter. Whew. Let's switch pages. <laughs> Our confusion finds clarity in the repetition of candor. Our confusion finds clarity in the repetition of candor. Now, my curiousness gets me in trouble at the grocery store. And when I say trouble, I mean I spend money that I shouldn't spend. Because when I see something new that looks good, I'm like, well, I gotta try it. And usually it almost always ends up being terrible. But I'm really bad. I don't know if anybody else does this, but I'm really, really bad with exotic fruit. Like, how am I supposed to walk through the grocery store and see something called dragon fruit and walk by it without buying it? Or star fruit or lychee or lechee. I, I, I don't know. That's why I'm tempted to buy it. The harder it is to pronounce, the more exciting it is. So I'm, uh, last week, I met Jewel Osco. Never been in this grocery store before. I'm walking through and I see something called golden gooseberries. And I'm like, I've never had golden gooseberries before. So I bought some and I, and I, and I took them home and I'm really excited to try them. And, and I ate one and I was like, man, I, I, I don't really know. I, get, I need to try another one. So I tried another one and I'm thinking to myself, well, that's not too bad. I tried a third one, and I'm like, you know what? No, this really isn't that good. I tried a fourth one. I said, yeah, this is getting worse. And for some reason, I tried about six. I don't know if I was just hoping. You know, I don't know if, like, if you're like me and you spend money on something, you're, like, terrified that it's going to go to waste, so you just eat it anyways. 
But it took me eating five or six of those to realize that, guess what? I don't like golden gooseberries. And yes, I'm going to see how many times I can say golden gooseberries in one sermon. But it's the repetition of, of tasting them that brought me clarity. And it is the repetition of the truth that we need to gain clarity in a world full of lies. See, see, we're stuck in the middle of this spiritual war, and we're left to translate the whys and why nots. And without the Bible, it's, it's like translating a cipher without the key. And this is why it's so important for us to consistently be reading Scripture, because it's the only thing that fights against the world's continual negative reinforcement. And more than anything, we, we need the repetition of God's candor, His, His honesty washing over us. Not, not this broad definition of truth, not, not enlightenment. What we need is we need to be hearing the truth of how God feels about us. To remind us that no matter how we feel, we have a Father that loves us unconditionally. That no matter how, how messed up our parents were, maybe we didn't have a Father that loved us. There is one in heaven that says, I love you. To be able to go back and see over and over and over again through his word, wow, he really does love me. Wow, he really does care. I want to read to you Psalm 139, 13 through 14. For you shaped me inside and out. You knit me together in my mother's womb long before I took my first breath. And I will offer you my grateful heart, for I am your unique creation, filled with wonder and awe. You have approached even the smallest details with excellence, and your works are wonderful. I carry this knowledge deep within my soul. See, the psalmist says something very intriguing to me. He says, I carry this knowledge deep within my soul. He's telling us that it, that it doesn't matter if you have the information in your head because the bad feelings that we feel, at some point they're going to return, which means that we have to continue to return to the Word of God. This is why Jesus instructs us to embrace Abide, abide in the word, not just merely read it, because guess what? Life is a roller coaster ride, and we need that reminder at every turn. We need to be bathed in the truth constantly. Deuteronomy 11, 18, 20 says this same thing. Fix these words of mine to your hearts and mind. Tie them as symbols to your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. In fact, go write them on the door frames of your house. Put them on the gates so that you always are soaked and covered in the Word of God. In a world where the truth is supposedly relative, it helps us to be anchored by a God who never changes. A God who whispers over us the truth of his word that can supersede the way that we feel. Because in the moments that I feel ashamed, God reaches down through his word and says, you're beautiful. When I feel worthless, God reaches down and says, I want you. When I feel unloved, he reaches down and says, I love you. When I feel burnt out, he reaches down and says, I'm here with you. When I'm broken, he reaches down and says, I will restore you. When I feel like a loser, he reaches down and says, you can have my victory. Now, I'm beginning to understand that my daughter is definitely my child. 
Because she assumes that she's going to be good at everything that she does. And she gets mad when there's something that she tries new that she's not very good at it. Especially if I am good at it. But she fails to understand that it's her first time doing it. Some of these things, I've, I've had training. I've had opportunity and time to, to practice. In fact, the things that I'm best at are the things that I've received years and years and years of training over. So it's foolish for anyone to expect themselves to be great without any type of instruction or practice. And to, to me, that's what the Word of God is. It gives us direction and instruction. More, more than just fighting the negative feelings that we have, the, the repetition of God's Word, what it does for us is it gives us a how-to. I want to read to you Romans 12, too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This verse is giving us a method of how to determine the will of God. And the first step is to be transformed by renewing your mind. How do we renew our minds, you ask? <laughs> Reading His Word. It's that simple, resting in God's Word, because it is there where we see that the Word of God, we, we find who God is. We learn about His character, and it's there that we discover the most important things to love God and to love people. The Pharisees who were considered the religious elite, you know what their problem was? They forgot what mattered most to God. And if we're honest, the same thing happens to us from time to time. And Paul's telling us that as long as we live here on earth, this world will try to conform you. And to combat that, we must continue to surrender ourselves by being transformed by God's Word. It's the beauty of the cross. Not only is it a monument of God's love for us, but it's also a reminder for us to pick up our own cross and follow Him. God's truth picks up our heads when they're down so that we can pick up those around us. We can get so bogged down by the details of what we think, we're, 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 what our lives are supposed to look like. We get so anxious about making the right decisions. Is this the right job? Is this the right thing? Am I marrying the right person? And maybe we get upset sometimes that, that the Bible doesn't make that personal path more clear for us. But I think that part of that is because the details don't matter that much to God. The thing that matters most to God is that whatever you do and whatever you decide, you do it in love. It's not about what you do. It's not about who you do it with. It's about how you do it. And that's the clarity of purpose that we find only when we rest in the Word of God. Let me give you one more. Our darkness is no match for Christ's light. Our darkness is no match for Christ's light. There are a lot of times that I encourage people as a pastor to get into the Word of God themselves. And I've always feared that that advice comes across as generic or disingenuous. But that's my testimony. My life, maybe not unlike your own, has been a series of ups and downs. And it's the Word of God that's helped me celebrate the highs. And it's the Word of God that has pulled me through my darkest moments. When I was wrestling with feelings of worthlessness growing up, I found Psalm 139, and I was reminded that I was knit together by God, and that my worth was not in my ability, but in God's craftsmanship. 
When I was wrestling with loneliness in college, I I found Jesus retreating to solitude among the crowd that wanted to make him king. And I was reminded that man's empty praise is nothing compared to God's love. When Steph was wrestling with infertility, I found Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree that is planted by the water, that sends its roots out to the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in a year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. It challenged me in that season to trust God, and it reminded me of something really, really important, the reality of hope. When I was wrestling with my own faith and doubts, I found John 10, 11, and it reminded me of God's incredible love for me, that the good shepherd is the one who lays down his life for the sheep. And it showed me that, that my allegiance, that God had everything to lose and only me to gain. When I was wrestling with my shame, I found John 15, 5, and it reminded me that apart from him, I am nothing. And that was a relief because that meant that I'm saved by faith and not by effort. When I, was rela- when, when I was wrestling, and this is recent, with the diagnosis of my back, the next day I found Daniel 7. And Daniel 7, this is, Daniel has a dream. And, and for the first time in his life, he, he gets to this dream and he doesn't know what it means. I mean, this is the guy who, who has received power in the kingdom in which he's living because he's been interpreting people's dreams. He has this dream and it scares him. It's a nightmare of sorts that that predicted horrible things and it terrified Daniel. And this hit me hard because that's exactly where I am right now, in a season of uncertainty, terrified at what the future might hold for me. And then there in his terror, God asked Gabriel, the angel, to help Daniel understand what the vision means. And this is the clarity that Daniel received. This is Daniel 7, 21 through 22. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints, and it prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And a time came when then the saints possessed the kingdom of God. Translation, the world will chew you up and spit you out, but that is only until Jesus shows up. He will step in, he will guard and protect his own, and his people will possess the kingdom of God. That was the vision of the coming of Christ. Now, I would love to be able to tell you that it took all of Daniel's fear away, but it didn't. Yeah, he who overcame the lion's den is terrified at what the future holds. Have you been there? Me too. But I have hope today, not not in my circumstances. I find hope in the light of Christ. Not that my life is going to get easier or better, but hope in a new life in Christ. And I won't lie, some days I fear too, but there is more hope than fear. And I won't lie, some days the darkness seems to consume me, but it is no match for his light. Because I promise to never lose sight of the truth. As long as I have the word of God, I know that his light will always overcome any darkness that I face. I'm asked the team to come back up, and I just want to close today reading some scripture to you, some scripture that you really need to hear, scripture that can change everything for you, scripture that can connect you to the truth. And when that scripture connects you to the truth, you know what it can do for you? It can set you free. 
1 Peter 5.10 says this, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of grace who has called you to his everlasting presence through Jesus the anointed will restore you, support you, strengthen you, and ground you. Psalm 41 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and he heard my cry, and he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground. He steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Revelation 1, 12 through 18. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of those lampstands stood someone like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like the flame of a fire. His feet were like burnished bronze. His voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came two sharp two-edged swords, and his face shone like the sun shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Fear not, I am the first, I am the last, I am the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death in Hades. This is the God we serve. This is the God who can overcome whatever it is you face. But you don't know that unless you let the Word of God wash over you. And I'm going to be real honest with you for a moment. Coming to church and hearing me say the Word is not enough. You need it every day. I need it every day because it reminds me of the truth. When everything seeks to, to tell me lies and garbage and whatnot, I gotta, I gotta stop what I'm doing and I gotta go and I gotta pick up the word of God. And, and, and here's, what I, here's what I wanna tell you. It doesn't mean that if you're going through a hard time and you open that book, it's gonna say exactly what you need to hear. You know why he says abide, endure, keep reading? Sometimes it is hard to read. I get it, I don't like to read. But I keep reading because I know what Scripture has done for me in my life, and I know what it will continue to do, and I know what it will do for you. And so I don't care if it sounds disingenuous, the Word of God can change your life. Don't give up on it. Keep reading. If you're struggling, ask somebody for help. I don't know where you are this morning, but I just know how deeply the Word of God has impacted me, and I know that it can for you too. Charlie, would you lead us?